Good Gab, sponsored by Skillskin, a nonprofit organization empowering individuals with disabilities through employment. What's happening, everybody? Another great guest today. Uh, today, we get to learn about the best kept secret in Spokane. I want you all to get involved, uh, whether you can give money. Or get on the wait list for volunteers. You're going to hear more. Today we have Steve Paul from Northwest North Pole Adventures, the CEO, Chief Elf, just a man of magic. Steve, thanks for joining us. Happy to be here. How's your morning going? You know, it started as a Friday. I hope to end it as a Friday. So <laughs> We'll see how this great. goes. Let's see, how, let's see if I'm more successful this week. I like it. Yeah, I was uh, out in Vegas last week, and it was so nice. There was it was sun and you know pools and all the things. And get back on the plane to Spokane, and winter had shown up. Yeah, we you know we tend to have all four seasons, which is uh, can be a benefit or not if you're not a four seasons person. Well, and thank goodness I am. That's yeah. why I love to stick around here. And I think it's just perfect and apropos to have you on today. So Steve, tell us a little bit about your organization. Hey, my organization that I am CEO and chief exec- executive elf with woo, woo. is uh, Northwest North Pole Adventures. We are a nonprofit uh getting ready to do our 27th event in Spokane. That is incredible. 27 years. Yeah, we're the best kept secret in Spokane. Well, let's uh, let our uh, listeners know more. Because I remember when I heard about your event, and I was like, wow, this is one of the coolest things I've ever heard of. So in 1997, two gate agents from United Airlines uh, went to a corporate event on the East Coast that was encouraging gate agents areas and stations to come up with a community-centric event. And most of it was centered around Christmas. They were either going to do Christmas parties or Christmas uh, wish events, types, types of things, either at the gate or at a, at a location. And the flight attendants, the gate agents, the pilots would all sort of participate from the airline to do that. On the flight back, uh, the two gate agents were talking and they said, you know, why don't we use a plane? Because they always, in those days, stopped their route at the end of the night. That makes sense. Yes. Why don't we use a plane and create kind of a fantasy kind of event? And so in those days, the C-terminal rotunda in the basement actually had a conference room. Okay. And the plane... I remember those days. You could go... I would wait for my dad at business trips in that terminal and be like sitting on the glass just waiting for him before, you know, you couldn't get back there. And so the 727 plane in those days had the drop-down staircase in the back. So they would put the kids on the plane, kind of run around the runway, back up to the terminal, lower the staircase, come out downstairs, have a little party in there, and Santa would show up. And they awesome. had planned that on the flight back uh, for 20, or 1998. And uh, Mel Lubick, one of the first two sisters, we call them, had said, well, let's just do it this year. So 1997, <laughs> like, well, <laughs> let's just go. it. And I love um, the doers of the world. That's right. Uh, Leslie comes from uh, a theater background. Her husband ran a lighting company here in town. So they had connections. Uh-huh. And that started the first fantasy flight. 
Quite a few that year started through multiple cities, uh, Denver, San Francisco, uh, Baltimore, all of those stations created things. But uh, like many uh, things in the airline industry, change happens sure. quite a bit. And so uh, Spokane was a bit more unique in that the gate agents were uh, conversational with the passengers and it may have encouraged participation with a few seat upgrades. And um, <laughs> and so we got uh, a little more presence with the community at that time. I came to Spokane uh, starting in the 90s, uh, traveling for a position out here with ITRON. Okay, in those days. yeah. And uh, was approached. Are one, you? Do you have an engineering background? I'm a uh, IT guy. I'm okay, a tech, I'm a techie. Nice. So yeah. watching these smart meters come together, you were working. On yeah, this I was doing 25 that. years ago. I was doing that a long time. That's ago. That's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. And so the um, I was approached on one of the flights as saying, "Hey, we." We need a volunteer the next night. Because they just knew you? They, well, just, yeah, yeah because I'm you flying, flying in and out all the time. <laughs> and I had asked about a poster that they had posted with some pictures, photographs. And so I said, sure, um, let me see what this large man can throw together as an elf in a few hours. Uh, so a trip to the dress barn in Post Falls to find some tights that would be accommodate these burly uh, legs and a, a tunic, which would make me look like an elf in a hat. And it was a seven o'clock uh, flight time because we needed to use the plane and it arrived way too late the evening before. So it was a 7 a.m. fantasy flight start. Um, at four o'clock, I arose, threw on this magical elf costume and realized uh, the tunic was a bit brief for uh, an elf. Uh, so with some costume adjustments. Um, some duct tape. Uh, 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 and some flannel boxers. Uh, nice. we, um, we got on the plane, uh, did our little magic. Uh, the, the staircase opened up, and I came down uh, to the Spokesman Review camera, which was on the front page of the Spokesman Review. So thank gosh um, I adjusted the tunic No kidding, time. that camera was up. Yeah, yeah it, was, uh, it would have been a, a non-planned exposure uh, for my first time as an elf. Uh, from there, then 9-11 uh, happened. And so 9-11 uh, created a change in the organization in that yeah. we couldn't even be at the airport. Right. We were able to uh, implement a kind of a backup plan, and we set up the North Pole at the convention center and transported the kids via the magic bus uh, from the airport. We were able to at least arrive at the airport, but the fire trucks from the airport uh, or the Spokane Fire Department transported us down to the convention the center. Escort everyone. Yeah, we had an cool. escort. Uh, after that, we were able to kind of return to the airport, but unfortunately not able to fly because after uh, 9-11, again, a little bit of history for everyone in the airline industry, uh, the planes that arrived in Spokane were smaller. Uh, it, the travel had reduced. Right. Uh, uh, passenger loads had reduced. And so the planes that we had uh, with United were smaller, and we were unable to uh, fly. We could taxi as we had done before, but we couldn't actually lift off. Uh, as the charity sort of grew, airline industry changed. Uh, in 2006, I was approached by the sisters, the United gals, who had said, hey, maybe we could, you'd think about running this thing. And so I said, sure. So I spent a year practicing. Uh, so 27 
was my 2007 was my first kind of executive director of running the event. Um, had created email lists and things that the ladies had never had. I I started with a checkbook of six hundred dollars and yeah. thirty email addresses. Uh, Here, make this happen. Yeah, and so. Uh, 2007 is our first year. We have, as you all know from Spokane, ice fog and airport got shut down in those days. Uh, there wasn't landing systems right. that let us in. And so I ended up with an event with a whole lot of people on one side who needed to get to a North Pole that's on the other side and no way to get there. So How'd you pivot? Yeah, so I, you know, being a technical person who deals with project problems... Uh, asked the ladies, so was there ever plan B in your plans? And they were like, well, once we had thought about taking school buses, but we're never sure if those would get approved to be on the runway. I said, let's get a meeting. And so we called in the tower and operations and FAA and TSA and all kinds of people, quick conferenced and said, with escort? Sure. So we loaded into school buses and surrounded them with emergency vehicles and flashing lights. And um, as I call it, Christmas magic always follows us. Yeah. When you put a lot of very warm bodies in an ice-fogged environment, the windows frost up. Yeah, makes and sense. And so once you put emergency vehicles with flashing lights around the windows. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. <laughs> And the buses were completely followed all the way over. And when we arrived at the North Pole and the doors opened, there's the red carpet, and we were there. And so that was the year of the magic school bus flight uh, on the runway at the airport, probably not done in most cities. Uh, and uh, that, But that raised an awareness for me, not being an airline uh, employee or professional, uh, I need a better transport vehicle. Sure. So and, and you're just, but it's all collaborative. Yeah. Like, and it's very, at that point, it was unfortunately very, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll regret the pun, fly by the seat of your pants um, to make it happen. Yeah, so it, you knew that kind of going in a little bit. Like, what about this event? Like, just called to you and you're like, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to bring to the community. So one of the things um, I was taught as a child, uh, all of my siblings are, is my mother had sat with all of us, you know, once you sort of reached puberty and said, listen, I brought you into this earth not to take up space. So you plan your outcome, but make sure you make a difference. And I would hope you make a positive difference. So I got involved uh, in high school in charities. I was an allocations uh, agent for United Way. I uh, did lots of different things. But in my family, Christmas was a very strong tradition. Uh, I have German heritage. And so I have Christmas ornaments that were handed down from great, great, great grandparents cool. that I have in my collection. And so when I came to Spokane, it was like, wow, this is the land of Christmas, and I'm kind of a Christmas guy. So when I hooked up with uh, Leslie at the time at the airport, and it was a Christmas charity, I'm like, hmm, maybe this is my calling. So being a technical person, being a Christmas person, and a manager in my professional life, it was like this 
this may be the best marriage of all of those. Truly. Yeah. You can just put that all together. Yeah. All of your strengths at work. All the strengths uh, and weaknesses all come together <laughs> in one event. So uh, 2008 then was okay. Part of the plan is we have to have a transport. And that's when I approached uh, the various airlines here in Spokane. Uh, happened to have a contact uh, with Southwest. They had uh, expressed a lot of interest during the years. But once they kind of understood the logistics that I was presenting, they were like, yeah, our vehicles aren't necessarily available. They move all the time. Uh, so I had a neighbor who was a flight attendant with Alaska, made a phone call and said, hey, do you have anybody at Alaska? She's like, yeah, I just flew with the marketing manager. Called Alaska, explained the situation. How perfect. And in 20 minutes, they returned my call and said, we absolutely will partner with you. See, Christmas magic does follow That's you. Right. And so 16, 17 years later, we are still great partners with Alaska Airlines. Wow. Is that happening anywhere around the country still? So we have done quite a bit of research. We've had uh, news folks come in and do research for us. Though fantasy flights themselves have dissipated quite a bit. There are a few sort of targeted events where uh, they bring children to a particular facility and maybe Santa flies in on a helicopter or they try to take Santa on a plane and he arrives on the plane, uh, but nothing, nothing in the world now that approaches what we have created here. Yeah, so tell us about what this event looks now. So like, today, to 27 years later... Yeah. Uh, we have uh, 258 costumed volunteers at the airport. We have over 400. It's a small army. Yeah. I have over 450 full volunteers between creating the North Pole, uh, creating the, the setup of the event, executing the event, taking the event back down. Um, I have uh, over two dozen corporate vendors, uh, supporters, uh, over a thousand individual supporters, uh, whether it's a $5 donation or a $20,000 donation. Um, we are known uh, around the world uh, through Alaska in their communication and their network. And uh, we this year have elves from the East Coast of Miami to Canada to uh, San Diego, uh, and a, a lot of spots in between. Are these Alaska employees that are going to come out? Many of the them event? are. Many of them are Alaska okay. people that, in their network of communication and volunteering that comes in. Uh, our pilot was a first officer in 2011. Uh, if you go to our website, uh, www.nwnorthpole.org, and we have a library of memories, uh, you'll see a CNN video in 2011. Uh, uh, Eric was very quick on the camera, held into character because he is Santa's pilot yeah. and flies to the North Pole. And only he knows the way through the barrier to get there uh, and has stayed our pilot every year. Uh, it is a bid position. It's not allocated. You have to, as a pilot, bid to get that. Uh, he bid for that as a first officer until he had the very top position as a first officer and needed basically for his career to move to a pilot. As one of his criteria was, I also get to bid for the fantasy flight as a pilot. <laughs> and he now uh, has the respect of all the other pilots to make sure that 
Eric gets to bid first for the flight. So the stickiness of volunteers, like when I first heard about your organization, it was from, you know, the person who, uh, our executive producer, Dana Devine, she said, Hey, I, you know, I've done this work. This is what I've been talking about. She just spoke so highly of your organization and just the event itself. And it sounds like so many people, including you, you're like, this is, this is amazing. So from the children's perspective, it's like, what kind of joy are you bringing here? So it makes you want to show up and do all this hard work every year. So from the children's perspective, we're dealing with a population that doesn't really get to experience Christmas to the point of making memories. And that's really okay. kind of the core of my mission when I brought to it was as a child, if I think to my earliest memories, they're of Christmas. They're of positive Christmas experiences. They're of aromas. I can smell the smells of Christmas. I can, if I feel glitter, I can feel, you know, it's tactical. Um, it's all of those senses. But if you're raised in a homeless or underprivileged, underserved kind of population, you're not formed with those memories. Right. And so my thought pattern was, if you don't start with that as a base, as you grow into an adult, what do you have to pass to your generation? So that's my goal, is to these children to be able to create a positive memory-making experience with all the senses, sight, sound, smell, all of those are incorporated into the event to make a memory. It takes multiple sensories to really lock a memory. Absolutely. And so we created um, back in those You're using early that years, science background. I know. Sorry. It's, <laughs> I love it's, it. It's all, th it's all through me. Uh, we take the database that we've created of individual attendees, and we make certain that every attendee, it's their first time because we do it as a once-in-a-lifetime to serve as much of the population. Uh, right now, we're approaching 1,600 children wow. that, have, that have experienced this. We work with the shelters, uh, St. Vincent de Paul, uh, Catholic Charities, Salvation Army, and Transition for Women, uh, and have for 20-plus years. Few agencies have come and gone or merged. Uh, this year, we're actually adding a fifth agency, which is the Union Gospel Mission Anna Ogden Hall. Awesome. So we'll have five uh, different teams of children attending for their first time. Uh, for the adventure of a lifetime. I see it. And that that core memory that can be created, that could, it probably does. It can change someone's life. Have you had some people come and follow up with you later in their life? So that's the best part of all of this is the returning elves. Uh, many of the kids, when they come in, you know, they'll they'll mention to their escort elf, you know, I want to be an elf when I grow up. I want to come work at the North Pole. You know, it sort of sets a, a goal in their mind. Uh, but their life goes as their life may go. And we don't necessarily offer great opportunities for that kind of thing. Uh, we have had at least two returning children that are volunteers. Um, both of them come with very long and interesting stories as how their life changed um, but what I have learned is the mind as a child, uh, once there are memories that need to go away for just management of your mm -hmm. life, um, they all lock away. 
So all of the, the ugly gets a lock, locked away with all the happy. And so as an adult, it takes us a while to learn the skills of disassembling that. So if you're a young, young adult, if you try to recall those things from your youth, it's one package. So right. it's a lot of ugly with some happy in there. And as you, as we mature and we get a little better to kind of balance those things, then you're able to extract some tools, right? You're able to extract, you know, and relish the happy and and pr- focus on those positive things. And so for both of these uh, return adults, um, they both went through that experience, and it was interesting to try to understand from professionals kind of what to expect and how to to uh, partner with them through that. Uh, one gentleman, uh, when we first approached, uh, he had a very difficult time even talking about it other than I, I just sort of have a reflection of a memory. Uh, he he kind of disappeared for a few years. He came back and said, you know, I think I'd like to talk about it a little bit more. Oh, wow. So I sat with him. We spoke a little bit more. And he, he sort of, as we spoke, I would say, so do you remember these pieces? And it was kind of, again, a little more strong, but not enough until he actually volunteered. And then during the event, he would come up and whisper in my ear, I remember the pajamas. I remember the book. And then he said, and now I realize that as an 18-year-old, and having getting thrown on the streets because I've aged out and no one wanted me, he said, I realized that the bag that I took with me was the bag I received at the fantasy flight. So you work through that. You become emotional like I am all the time. Uh, but then as, as he got more involved, he would come up to me and whisper in my ear. He's like, and now I remember the book. And now I remember these oh. things. And so it, it, the joy of it has come to him now. And he has realized the opportunity that he had at the time probably wasn't as significant as it is to him today as a 26-year-old. We have, um, I have connections through my professional life where uh, they were a foster parent. And uh, they spoke of a time when they had a, a child come to their door and all the child had was a box. And so uh, they've heard stories like that from some of our guests who are in the foster system. And he said that the, you know, the box seemed kind of sacred, so they didn't violate it and introduced him into the family, got him to his room, you know, got him into his schools, got all thing through. Um, It came time for Thanksgiving. And so in Thanksgiving in their family, they always sit around the table and chat and laugh. And then they have their moment and they say what they're thankful for. And so each of the of the siblings would stand up, and they all would stand at their chair and just say something that they were thankful for the day. And the parents did that, and so um, they spoke with this little boy and said, "Now you don't have to do this. This is your first time. Please don't feel any pressure." And he said, "No, caring. No, no. I I want to. I want to do this." So he stood up and he started to speak, and he said, "Can I leave? Uh, I'll be right back." So they certainly they were understanding. He went to his room and brought back the box. Now, none of them had known anything about this box. It just it arrived at the door and disappeared. And so he sat the box in the front of the table and he said, you know, I've, I, I will be honest. I have had lots of 
bad things in my life. But he said, this box is all my good things, and I keep my good box always with me. And so he opened the box, and it was all of his memories from the fantasy flight. He had attended, but he had kept parts that were, to me, not significant memory makers. The cellophane around a, can, a candy cane. He had kept um, the tape that was on the envelope. He had kept just all kinds of fragments of things that I would discard as not useful memory keepers. They were all memory pieces to him. And he had said, so long as I have my box, I know I'll remember the happy time. Dang. That's heavy and beautiful and magical. So... You know, those sort of stories are what kind of fuels my positivity that we can make a difference. Maybe it isn't every child. Maybe it's one a year, but it's better than none. Absolutely. And that kind of impact, that's, I'm rarely at a loss for words. <laughs> I, I just, I want to know how to get involved in, in your organization. It's like, so this our, makes, this isn't, this is impact. This is why we created this show is to talk about the good things that are happening in our world. This is, it's not just good. This is the magic. Well, you know, that's, this changes lives. That's hopefully what I, as I tell everyone when I'm gone and you have to put a plaque on either a pile of dirt or a, a spot on the, on the planet, just say he was an elf. Yeah. Because to me, I'm a techie. I've done projects. I've delivered solutions. I've done those things. But um, if I've changed a heart or made a memory that's positive, then I'm an elf. I guarantee that's happened. What's your career look like right now? Like your day jobs. So my day job is really, <laughs> really busy. Uh, I work for NG Impact. Okay. And I uh, am a senior program manager, managing a lot of technology advancements. Um, I'm juggling lots of different uh, things within that job and have uh, been with NG for now nine years. Uh, before that, I was a consultant with Microsoft. Uh, before that, I was an employee of Microsoft. Uh, I worked for tech companies such as Siebel and then, of course, iTron in the area. Been in the tech industry forty plus years. Incredible, and but you're going to be in Spokane for the long haul. This is your community. Yeah, your, this your, this organization is based here. The magic is based here. Yeah, I have no yeah. intention of leaving. I relocated yeah. here from the Midwest, um, but for Itron at the time. Um, but yeah, I'm this. This is where my dirt will will lie, is here, and this town has. Uh, a unique uh, ability for this to flourish. You know, I have been asked by lots of cities and lots of teams to try to bring Spokane Fantasy Flight on the road. And uh, it takes, wow, it just takes a lot of coordination and community to make it happen. You know, you need, you need a good organization that's a nonprofit that yeah. can function. You need the ability to work with agencies that are cooperative. You need to work with corporate sponsors to be able to fund it. 
You need to have an airport that can logistically manage sort of a non-traditional flight in the middle of their thing. You have to realize Spokane's largest flight is typically 200 people. I have 380 people at a gate. I'm a 747 in Spokane. And they so, never come here. <laughs> that's yeah. right. And it doesn't normally show yeah. up. So you need to have, you know, operations and TSA. Uh, yeah, federal agencies. Yeah, say, have yes, federal stuff. Supporting this. Yeah. The FAA mm. needs to do uh, traffic management. You have to understand I'm, I'm like a priority one flight, which there's another one of those that's real big and blue that gets to happen. Mm. And I'm one of those kind of flights that happens. So it takes a lot of that support. It takes a community with a heart, you know, to be able to do what I do and to keep it a secret. As I said, I'm the best kept secret in town to think this is number 27 in a, in an area where normally they last two or three years, they become sort of the bunko party of the office. And, you know, we're not that. We're far beyond that. Continue to evolve. And then you have to have a flight partner. You have to get somewhere. Thank you, Alaska Airlines. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's a train or a bus or a fortunate winged sleigh, as we refer to it as, um, you need that part. So once you get those six parts together, you know, now maybe you could execute this kind of an event. Uh, I have a warehouse full of what makes the North Pole. Uh, We're fortunate that Signature Flight uh, Support offers us a facility with a warehouse that we're able to do that. Otherwise, we're talking semis. We're talking a convention center worth of uh, show that kind of shows up and unloads. And those are the things that as CEO uh, and thinking of the future, I need to think about something that's a little more mobile and uh, immediate in its assembly and disassembly. Well, you heard it right here, everybody. If you want to get involved, uh, what's your website again, Steve? It's uh, nwnorthpole.org. Nice. When's the event this year? The event is uh, in December. We won't publicly announce the time because for the safety and security of the children and the elves. Um, And we're always... uh, have availability for enrollment, but uh, I will just say we are the only nonprofit that I'm aware of that has a wait list for volunteers. (laughs) I can see why. Like I'm inspired today. This has been magical. Um, Thank you for coming today and helping myself, our listeners just learn more about you, learn more about this fantasy flight event. Thanks for bringing the magic to Spokane. Hey, thank you. You know, it's it's an honor. It's a privilege. It's a humbling experience to lead an organization that really thinks about the core values of children and what makes it great to be a child. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. 